All Creatures Great and Small, Chapter 14, St. Martin's Press, copyright 1972 by James Harriet. Looking back, I can scarcely believe we used to spend all these hours in making up medicines. But our drugs didn't come to us in proprietary packages, and before we could get out on the road, we had to fill our cars with a wide variety of carefully compounded and largely useless remedies. When Siegfried came upon me that morning, I was holding a 12-ounce bottle at eye level while I poured syrup of coquelana into it. Tristan was moodily mixing stomach powders with a mortar and pestle, and he stepped up his speed of stroke when he saw his brother's eye on him. He was surrounded by packets of the powder, and further along the bench were orderly piles of pessaries, which he had made by filling cellophane cylinders with boric acid. Tristan looked industrious. His elbow jogged, jogged furiously as he ground away at the Amman carb and Nux vomica. Siegfried smiled benevolently. I smiled too. I felt the strain badly when the brothers were at variance, but I could see that this was going to be one of the happy mornings. There had been a distant improvement, distinct improvement in the atmosphere since Christmas when Tristan had slipped casually back to college and, apparently without having done any work, had resat and passed his exams. And there was something else about my boss today. He seemed to grow, glow with inner satisfaction as though he knew for certain that something good was on the way. He came in and closed the door. I've got a bit of good news. I screwed the cork into the bottle. Well, don't keep us in suspense. Let's have it. Siegfried looked from one of us to the other. He was almost always smirking. You remember that bloody awful shambles that Tristan took charge of the bills? His brother looked away and began to grind still faster, but Siegfried laid a friendly hand on his shoulder. No, don't worry. I'm not going to ask you to do it again. In fact, you'll never have to do it again because from now on, the job will be done by an expert. He paused and cleared his throat. We're going to have a secretary. As we stared blankly at him, he went on. Yes, I picked her myself, and I consider she's perfect. Well, what's she like, I asked. Siegfried pursed his lips. It's difficult to describe her, but just think. What do we want here? We don't want some flighty young thing hanging about the place. We don't want a pretty little blonde sitting behind that desk, powdering her nose and making eyes at everybody. We don't, Tristan interrupted, plainly puzzled. No, we don't, Siegfried rounded on him. She'd be daydreaming about her boyfriends half the time, and just when we'd got her trained to our ways, she'd be running off to get married. Tristan still looked unconvinced, and it seemed to exasperate his brother. Siegfried's face reddened. And there's another thing. How could we have an attractive young girl in here with somebody like you in the house? You'd never leave her alone. Tristan was nettled. How about you? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about you, not me, Siegfried roared. I closed my eyes. The peace hadn't lasted long. I decided to cut in. All right, tell us about the new secretary. With an effort, he mastered his emotion. Well, she's in her 50s, and she has retired after 30 years with Green and Moulton in Bradford. She was company secretary there, and I've had the most wonderful reference from the firm. They say she's a model of efficiency, and that's what you want in this practice, efficiency. We're far too slack. It's just a stroke of luck for us that she decided to come and live in Derby. Anyway, you'll be able to meet her in a few minutes. She's coming at 10 o'clock this morning. The church clock was chiming when the doorbell rang. Siegfried hastened out to answer it and led his great discovery into the room in triumph. Gentlemen, I want you to meet Miss Harbottle. 
She was a big, high-bosomed woman with a round, healthy face and gold-rimmed spectacles. A mass of curls, incongruous and very dark, peeped from under her hat. They looked as if they might be dyed, and they didn't go with her severe clothes and brogue shoes. It occurred to me that we wouldn't have to worry about her rushing off to get married. It wasn't that she was ugly, but she had a jutting chin and an air of effortless command that would send any man running for his life. I shook hands and was astonished at the power of Miss Harbottle's grip. We looked into each other's eyes and had a friendly trial of strength for a few seconds. Then she seemed happy to call it a draw and turned away. Tristan was entirely unprepared and a look of alarm spread over his face as his hand was engulfed. He was released only when his knees started to buckle. She began a tower, a tour of the office while Siegfried hovered behind her, rubbing his hands and looking like a shop walker with his favorite customer. She paused at the desk, heaped high with incoming and outgoing bills, Ministry of Agriculture forms, circulars from drug firms with here and there stray bottles of pills and tubes of utter ointment. Stirring distastefully among the mess, she extracted the dog-eared old ledger and held it up between finger and thumb. What's this? Siegfried trotted forward. Oh, that's our ledger. We entered the visits into it from our day book, which is here somewhere. He scrabbled about on the desk. Ah, here it is. This is where we write the calls as they come in. She studied the two books for a few minutes with an expression of amazement, which gave way to grim humor. You gentlemen will have to learn to write if I'm going to be looking after your books. These, I mean, there are three different hands here, but this one is by far the worst. Quite dreadful. Whose is it? She pointed to an entry which consisted of a long, broken line with an occasional undulation. Uh, That's mine, actually, Siegfried said, shuffling his feet. Must have been in a hurry that day. But it's all like that, Mr. Farnan. Look here, and here, and here. It won't to do, you know. Siegfried put his hands behind his back and hung his head. I expect you to keep your stationery and envelopes in here. She pulled open a drawer in the desk. It appeared to be filled entirely with old seed packets, many of which had burst open. A few peas and French beans rolled gently from the top of the heap. The next drawer was crammed tightly with soiled calving ropes, which somebody had forgotten to wash. And they didn't smell so good, and Miss Harbottle drew back hurriedly. But she was not easily deterred and tugged hopefully on the third drawer. It came open with a musical clinking, and she looked down on a dusty row of empty pale ale bottles. She straightened up slowly and spoke patiently. And where, may I ask, is your cash box? Well, we just stuff it in here, there, you know. Siegfried pointed to the pint pot on the corner of the mantelpiece. Haven't got what you'd call a proper cash box, but this does the job all right. Miss Harbottle looked at the pot with horror. You just stuff? Crumpled checks and notes peeped over the brim at her. Many of their companions had burst out on to the hearth below. And you mean to say that you go out and leave that money there day after day? Never seemed to come to any harm, Siegfried replied. And how about your petty cash? Siegfried gave an uneasy giggle. All in there, you know, all cash, petty and otherwise. Miss Harbottle's ruddy face had lost some of its color. Really, Mr. Farnham, this is too bad. I don't know how you have gone so on, long, on so long like this. I simply do not know. However, I'm confident I will be able to straighten things out very soon. There is obviously nothing complicated about your business. A simple card index system would be the thing for your accounts. The other little things, she glanced back unbelievingly at the pot. I will put right very quickly. Fine, Mrs. Harbottle, fine. Siegfried was rubbing his hands harder than ever. We'll expect you on Monday morning. Nine o'clock sharp, Mr. Farnham.
After she was gone, there was a silence. Tristan had enjoyed her visit and was smiling thoughtfully, but I felt uncertain. You know, Siegfried, I said, maybe she's a demon of efficiency, but isn't she just a bit tough? Tough, Siegfried gave a loud, rather cackled laugh. Ha, not a bit of it. You leave her to me. I can handle her. Okay, love you.